Welcome to episode 5 of 115 Miles. In this episode, we reflect on the first five episodes before three questions from a listener have us talking about Hass on a desert island with a wok before taking us down a political rabbit hole. We then look at what the national flag means to us before finishing with the reasons to be cheerful. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. As we've arrived at episode five, how are you feeling my man? I'm feeling good mate, I'm feeling good, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's been just over a week since we last spoke. Uh, how has that week gone for you, mate? Tell me about it. It's been a good week. Um, I talk a little bit more about it in uh, Reasons to be Cheerful, but uh, it was my youngest birth, uh, youngest daughter's birthday on Monday. Uh, she turned six, uh, which is incredible to think that I, you know, I'm a parent of a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old and a 6-year-old. Uh, but there we go. That was a, it was a nice day. And you had the day off with them, didn't you, on Friday? On Monday. On Monday, yeah. Yeah. Did I say did Friday? No, I, I just said Friday. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know what day it is, Maybe mate. I just felt like I had a day off on Friday. I was working, I was working. Yeah, we've got a day off this Friday. Happy days. Are you having it off? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm going to take Friday off, yeah. Yeah, shut the laptop, don't open it. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to. I don't believe you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you've had a good week. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's been uh, lots going on, you know, lots of stuff, um, exciting stuff, as well as just, you know, usual keeping business going and doing schooling and all that business. Yeah, schooling's back, right? Homeschooling is back. I've had a, personally, I've had like a bit of a up and down week. Like, okay. I think you spoke about it a little bit last week where you're you said you like a bit up and down. You did that lovely piece on like, you know, trying to remain consistent through it. And uh, I felt it a little bit. I felt a little bit uh, turbulent is the word spring into mind. Not nothing worrying, but I, I prior to that, I'd had a couple of really, really good weeks where I was just flying and I felt emotionally heavy a little bit a couple of days and felt a little bit like I just want this over now. I want the lockdown over. And I think that's because we're starting to get towards some kind of restrictions being lifted. They're on about lifting them this week, aren't they? Uh, I think there's supposed to be something happening tomorrow, but there's a lot of speculation. I, I mean, you know. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah, they, 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 I think Thursday was the day that they were going to announce something, but I don't know if yeah, I'm just recalling so I, that from someone saying Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. I heard Thursday, and I, I thought they might do something Thursday because obviously Friday's like a big day uh, with the celebrations and stuff like that, so... It might make sense, but I just read before we come on that uh, they're like ten, two weeks into training football in Germany. Have you seen this? Mm, I saw, yeah. And 10 people have already tested, 10 players have already tested positive for Corona. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, so uh, like you see that and you think, I can't see football restarting. I don't know if they're, how they'll carry on and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So there's going to be a lot, there's a lot of like staggered stuff to come, I reckon. Yeah, I, I think everyone's just waiting to see what happens, you know, and I, I mean, my, my intuition is that life as normal, you know, we're not going to see it until probably towards the back end of the year. So it's going to yeah. be very staggered and stuff like that. But, you know, even if it means we can get together with small groups, say family or people that we care about, if we can... Um, if people can start to go back to work a little bit that you know if they've been locked down if they've been on furlough if they've you know those things are really important so if we can start to see a bit of that easing then I think that will make a huge difference yeah it's, it's my it's our close family that I actually felt a little bit heavy about so my father-in-law who I'm like really close with and my you know Leah's my wife's mum and dad my kids are really really close with them and they dropped something over and my three-year-old daughter saw her granddad and she didn't do like the crying that she does that where you know where a three-year-old cries because she knows she's going to get what she wants her little eyes went red and she just and I was like you're right and she's like yeah and you could see it was just genuine 
release of emotion that she misses her nan and granddad. Mm. And of course, you know, being like I am, I get a bit like, oh, I just want it to end now. I just mm. want to. So I'm hoping that uh, more than anything that we get to see at least some of our closest friends and family. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. I think that's, I think that'd be, be huge for a lot of people. And then also on top of that, I think what hit me quite heavily this week is that we were supposed to fly out on holiday Monday. So I should be on a beach in Mallorca at the moment. Well, yeah, I can understand. That's pretty tough, man. I mean, maybe you could turn your garden into a bit of a, a beach setting for the bank holiday weekend. <laughs> get get your little shot. paddle, get your little paddle pool out and yeah, get your mocktail. The weather's <laughs> mocktail. <laughs> the the weather's supposed to be nice actually this weekend. Yeah, but you know there was a little bit. I only just started talking about my holiday because at the beginning there's this whole thing, isn't there, where we're not. I think it's a, a slight sign of like emotional immaturity in us as people, where you, it's like you're not allowed to talk about your personal struggles when there's bigger struggles going on. But, you know, people forget that there's always, always somebody worse off than you, right? So, actually, the idea that there's worse things to think about at the moment is not something that's restricted to what we're experiencing now. Yeah. That's 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 going on all of the time. So, you know, uh, you can recognise that there's worse things to worry about and people have it harder than you at the moment. And, you know, you're allowed to struggle with your own stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, right? We've talked about the fact that we... Uh, we're very fortunate in many respects, you know, um, with having a bit of outdoor space and, and, and that sort of stuff. And we've talked about the impact of people that, that don't have that. We also talked about, you know, Sam Smith and, and you know, his relative, um, you know, mental health mm. versus people who are struggling and, or, or, or Captain Tom Moore. Um, it is relative, isn't it, really? Like, we, you're, you're right, you know, everyone, we can empathise with people and it can also be tough, you know, and if you have to suppress your feelings because you feel like you don't want to uh, be lacking, uh, you know, if you want, if you don't want to feel like you're lacking compassion, then you, you, you're not your true authentic self. So I think it's important to be able to have the conversation. Yeah, which, yeah, exactly. It's important to be able to feel a range of emotions and know, you know, that that's okay too. Which kind of, you know, the, the, the idea of authenticity brings us quite nicely to the fact that we are on episode five, which, <laughs> although it's only episode five, feels like a little bit of a landmark. Can I call it a landmark, episode five? I think so. You know, five is halfway to ten. Ten's, uh, you know, <laughs> we're serious podcasters, so I think we're halfway <laughs> to being serious podcasters, mate, you know. Well, yeah, so your maths master. that you're doing there, your maths shows that we're serious podcasters because <laughs> five's yeah. half of ten. Yeah, look at that, man. Proper scientific <laughs> analysis. Okay. So while we're here, I think it's worth doing a bit of reflection on, on the podcast uh, and, and where we're at with it. So uh, I'll put a question to you. Because we, you, firstly, to let everyone know, to let the people that are listening know that we have, we, we've been kind of experimenting, right? We've wanted this to be like a topical show where we tackle difficult conversations, sometimes in a lighthearted way, but we bring our authentic self to every conversation that we're having. Right. So, you know, we we've tried to st steer clear of too much of a framework to do it in. Right. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. So based on the four episodes that we've done and the 15 minutes that we've done here, what things stand out as really working for you as being a positive thing? And then as well, what things do you think haven't really worked or things that you've come away from an episode and thought to yourself? No, nah, I'm not digging that. Um. I think what's working is we, we believed that we could probably quite easily transition from having conversations between us two and then recording it and then putting it out. So that's been quite good. So I think just just our, our approach is just to keep it conversational um, and relevant and, you know, and not to overly engineer it, which is, you know, why we've decided not to talk to each other before we record and we just go with the flow. Um, yeah. And what I like about that is sometimes it's just, it's more, it's more organic and there's going to be ums and ahs and while we're thinking about stuff because it's genuinely we're thinking in the moment. So I think that's quite good. Uh, feedback that I've had is that, you know, it just feels uh, authentic, that it's not got mm. this crazy sense of um, uh, veneer across it that a lot of 
you know, very polished podcasts have, and they're all really good, but they're just a different kind of tone. Um, what hasn't worked? I think it was just like the first episode where, um, like you had your mic miles away from your mouth, mic was you're miles away and the printer and all that sort of stuff and not really knowing how to deal with it and maybe being overly concerned about all that stuff and just, you know, so that was it really. But look, mate, like you say, we're f number, f this is only number five. So yeah. the learnings will come down the line. Always, what about you? I, I've I feel much more looser now. I feel much more loose and like free when we do a podcast now. Whereas at that beginning, it was like, it, it felt like we were on like live TV when we first done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I think the, the, the positives, like the feedback that we got last week, we got some, I got some really nice feedback from different people last week and feedback from people that I'm not like really close to, if you know what I mean. So that kind of harbors a little bit more like meaning, doesn't it? When somebody's taken the you know time to reach out and do it who's not like a close friend who mm. know you knows you want their feedback if that makes sense mm. and the way that we tackled the so so the feedback that we got of the way that we tackled that conversation last week was was uh, you know i liked that i like that we are in the moment i like that we try and be as authentic as we can right and we just tackle those difficult conversations and put them out there because actually while i'm you know while i'm talking I had a bit of fear about last week's episode, putting it out, right? Mm. And I, you know, I thought about it more than I would probably think about other pieces of content that I put out. But uh, I'm glad that we did just put it out in the way that we did. So I think that's good. I, I, and I want to keep tackling the difficult conversations. It's a real passion of mine. I like, I like doing that. What do I think hasn't worked? Um, I, that first episode, <laughs> when I, you know, but, but, even that's a good sign, right? When I look back at the first episode, I did, you know, uh, I recognised how stiff and worried and concerned we were about how it was going to come across and stuff like that. And I think that came across when we was doing it. Yeah. And I guess, you know, what else I do like is what we're looking at. It, the idea of now starting to engage a little bit more with the people that are interacting with the with the podcast as a piece of content. So yeah. Um, and, and actually just um, I think the, the thing about the first episode was actually despite all of those things um, uh, there were some really good topics and you know we covered some really important stuff that I think landed uh, well but yeah uh, just in terms of people listening um, someone who's uh, who, who's a friend in my network and uh, uh, you know someone that I you know, whose, whose opinion I value a lot. She, she's a listener as well and enjoying it, but she had a great idea where um, we get questions from people that are listening. And mm. uh, she had a couple of questions that, you know, to, to pose to us to, uh, to kind of have a reflect on an answer. So I might just bring those up. So that's from Liz, uh, my mate Liz. And um, hello, Liz. Hello, Liz. Who feels very radio show, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, the three at three with yeah, the, Liz. <laughs> um, I, she's she's given a few, but I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna pick um, I'm gonna pick one. Um, oh, if it's good, we'll do more than one. All right, well we'll go with the first oh, one. Liz we'll has made go. an effort here. All right, we'll do two. We'll do two. Okay. Um, what is so Josh and Hass? What is the most surprising thing about your friendship, given the 115 miles difference in the early stages of our lives? It's a great question. What's uh, the most surprising? What's the most surprising? I think is, I would say what's the most surprising is just how very similar we are in values. Mm. I say that's the most surprising, but I don't know, it's hard because now I know you, so it doesn't feel surprising. But I think if you would have taken us as people before we met, uh, I don't, I, I'm not sure you would have placed us as being as good of friends as we are. Do you know what I mean? I don't think you would have done that because I think you would have thought that we would have had a lot more difference maybe in value. So I, I, I maybe, maybe that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's sort of two things that I find surprising. One, which is we have, there's a bit of an age gap. I think there's probably about nine years between us. Is yeah. That you're right? old, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. You are old. <laughs> or, or you're just a baby. Um, <laughs> But actually, we have a lot of cultural um, similarities in terms of like music and stuff like that. And so uh, yeah. I, f I find that quite interesting that we, we both go back to like certain garage tunes of uh, the early 2000s and, and stuff like that. I thought that's quite funny. Um, yeah. 
But yeah. interesting. I always wanted to be older, by the way, when I was younger. And like, like I was, I would go as far as to say, I used to do, there's a, there's, <laughs> there's a nightclub in Swindon that when I was younger was called The Furnace, right? Yeah. But, but and you wanted to light up the furnace, didn't you? No, but, but yeah, before, <laughs> before it was called the furnace, it was called level three, right? But it was, I think it's since then changed back to that name again. But level three, it was called level three before my time. I never, ever knew it as level three. But when I used to talk to, about it to people, I would call it level three and then correct myself to furnace because I thought it made me seem older. <laughs> I used to do I used to do a lot of stuff like that, mate. Uh, a I, lot I, of stuff I, like call a Snickers a marathon. A Snickers was never a marathon in my during time. your time. But <laughs> you were, I, I reckon you probably pick, really you probably picked that up from people you used to be around, right? And so you just wanted. Well, to yeah, emulate. but I used to do it on purpose because I wanted to seem older than what I was. Yeah. Whereas now I'd I'd love to feel younger. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, anyway, you interrupted my flow there. Sorry, mate. No, that's right. I'm just joking. No, the and no, and no. The other thing that I find really surprising is, um, you know, the the nature of our relationship was that I was brought in to to meet you as a as as a potential mentor, right? But actually, what I find really surprising is, you know, despite the age gap, despite the the fact that we've had different journeys, that um, there are moments where. I give some support and advice because of some experience that I've had, but then equally, and this really, you know, it's a really powerful and pleasant surprise is that sometimes you just coach me and you mentor me and you kind of show wisdom. So it's a very dynamic and two way relationship that um, I think is really surprising. Yeah. it's. I, I wouldn't say it was equal. I think you do. You probably, yeah. you're probably there a little bit. Well, for me in terms of experience, particularly work-wise. But it's funny you say that because you think back to when I did my first ever co-active training and I had to do like a half an hour coaching session with you. Mm. And I remember ringing you up and being like, trying all these coaching techniques on you and just feeling like an absolute moron when I was doing it. You were like going, how can Luke take on Yoda? This is <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's uh, even then actually, even then I never would have thought that I would go on to basically, you know, help you through life in the way that I do. <laughs> yeah. You just guide me. You're my Sherpa, you're my light. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it, no, it, I, I, I think it's equal. It's just, it's, it's, we, we sort of pull on different things, you know, for, uh, from each other. Brilliant. Mm. I like that. Great question, Liz. Okay, let's do another one. I think it's a good idea. I, I like these. Okay. Thank you, Liz. Um, deserted on an island, your one luxury item would be, and now you have to answer for me, yeah. And then I have to answer for you. Okay. So while I'm busy thinking what I would take, I have, I, 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 the, there's an answer that comes straight in my head for you. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there is. <laughs> uh, and you just tell me if I get this right. Okay. So you one item, you, you're on a desert island and you're only allowed to take one item. I'm a stickler for rules, Hass. Yeah, one item. And let's just make it easy. Like, cause you, you want to feel good and like you want the listeners to think that you would think about your family and kids and all that stuff first. But let's just assume that it has to be an innate object, right? You can't, it's not family, it's not pe loved ones. Like, you All know. right, mate, I'm not yeah. gonna do what I did last week. I know, just I know, go, I'm, oh, just letting you know. I'm just letting you know. I'd take man. my kids, okay. trust me, if I was good, if I had the opportunity to go <laughs> to a desert island, I wouldn't be taking my six kids. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be sending them a message in a box. Um, <laughs> yeah, mine's right. a postcard so I can write to my kids. And yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, so you, what I would say, what I reckon you would take is uh, a walk. <laughs> okay. Why is that funny? Why is that funny? I don't own a walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but listen, hear me out. Okay. It's versatile. Because yeah. I know you like to cook. I yeah? do. And a wok is multi-purpose, isn't it? Like you can use a wok to like boil stuff in and then fry stuff do in. You know what? So like you might not own a wok now, but that's because you've got something for everything. But a wok would then you be able to cook all the things that you wanted to cook on the desert island. <laughs> I, I think it's a brilliant idea. It makes a lot of sense. Sticking on the food theme, I reckon. Um, I reckon you'd you'd want a fridge. Well, I would take a fridge. Yeah, you'd want a fridge, just because you love food, and 
you're, you're quite lazy uh, at times as well, I imagine. So you're not going to want to be <laughs> hunting and foraging on a daily basis. So you want something that you, keeps your food fresh and keeps your beverages cool. <laughs> My mocktail. Your mocktail. <laughs> I would like a fridge. I would take a fridge. What? So uh, do you <laughs> do you have an answer of what you would actually take? Uh, right. I think a wok's a good answer. All right. Have it. Take yours. <laughs> take a wok yourself. No, no, for you, I mean. All right. It's so good. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I think I. Okay. You'd right, take your laptop so you can no, still work. No, the yeah, the sensible <laughs> answer would be something like a Swiss Army knife, because that just yeah, no one wants to practical, right? Knife, no one wants that. Yeah. Um, I would say that I would like a Kindle. Oh, that's such a wet answer. Why is that a wet answer? You have what, a Kindle. You have the world's library at your fingertips. You'll be forever entertained through the. Oh, you've just said that because you want to sound sophisticated. No, it's true. <laughs> a Kindle, like you don't want one book because a book will be done, right? In for me, like I don't know, like an hour because yeah. I read so quickly. <laughs> uh, but like a Kindle, just you know, books forever, man. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Um, if we were on the same island, we would need more than one plug socket then, because I'd need one for oh, my forget fridge. forget about all that rubbish. No, we're not going to be on the same <laughs> island. We're on a separate island. You're by yourself. What, so if you're not going to have a fridge, what would you have? Uh, well, I do. Listen, I like the Kindle idea. Um, it's mine, so get your own. <laughs> a football. Ah, okay. I'd take a football. Have you watched... Uh, What's that? Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. Well, is it the beard that's making you ask that? Well, yeah, it's the beard also. It's the ball, you know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. What's he called? What's the ball called in it? I can't remember. It's been a long time. It's been a good film though, mate. Good film. Uh, did How many questions did Liz give you? Liz gave me three questions. Come on, let's do the third then, mate. I like this. And then we'll discuss this how we a big want one. people to I give mean, us okay, more it's a questions. Big one. Okay. If we consider COVID to be a global problem. What is the single biggest global solution to ensure that history isn't repeated? Go on, Josh, you're first. <laughs> I'm going to wax lyrical about this. Um, emotional intelligence is something that we need to take from this. So we need to become much better at um, acknowledging and accepting what's happening and the way that we feel about it. Because at the beginning of this, I did the whole big, like I digged out, uh, I dug out uh, Boris Johnson for still shaking hands and all of that stuff. I'll stand by digging him out because he's the prime minister and he shouldn't have been doing that. But I do think we all did this. I remember having conversations when what was happening in Italy was happening in Italy. But like a holiday, for example, probably right up until the moment we locked down, and I was talking to my wife, I was saying, we're going on, on the 4th of May. There's no way that they're going to stop sh flights and shut the country down for that. It just won't happen. So, you know, uh, when the reality is, is when you look back, that was such a ridiculous thought and idea. If you, if you even took five minutes to think this through properly. So I do think there's a lot to be said for if we particularly, I know she said globally, but particularly from a Western world, particularly a British standpoint, we need to, you know, understand that that stiff upper lip, that, you know, that mentality that got us through some of the wars and stuff like that. It doesn't get you through everything. You can't, you know, you can't just sort of like Great Britain your way through a virus that doesn't care who you are or how Great Britain you are. Do, am I making sense with what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot to be learned from that and, and just being a little bit more open and willing to look at things as they really are. Mm. Yeah. Because um, I don't think you can live your life, by the way, like worried about a pandemic that, that potentially is probably only going to happen every hundred years. We've got to be careful that we don't take the fear of this. And then I know that's a bit silly to make that guess, but we've got to be a little bit careful that we don't live in fear of this happening all of our lives. We've got to yeah. try and get back to some reality. Uh, it's not that it's silly. I think you probably just saw my eyes go like that. It's, it's less about what you just said and more about um, 
we don't know. Like, we don't know that this isn't going to happen more and more. Um, I think, obviously, what is likely to happen after this is like a, you know, travel's going to be impacted. People going to different countries, free mm. movement is going to be kind of probably more restricted uh, for a long time. So that's going to have an impact. In terms of how do we stop history repeating itself? Well, it depends on the question. Are we talking about a global pandemic repeating itself? No, uh, it can't be done because it's sort of, you know, this sort of stuff has happened before it will happen again. It's sort of, you know, mm -hmm. unless we sort of completely restrict travel entirely and stop people moving on, which you can't do, you know, there's always going to be, you know, the threat or the possibility of that happening. I think what it's really important is to, uh, alongside what you're saying around EQ, um, I think it's also making sure that we put things in place so that we don't forget what mm. uh, uh, what we're going through, what we're feeling, the impact of the losses, uh, the fact that actually you've said it before, and I agree with you that you know you've got to hold government to account. And when you stop holding government to account and start uh, kind of leaning into rhetoric that they want you to lean into, which is all around kind of should we come out of Europe or not come out of Europe for us, right? That's all the entire conversation was about. We weren't really looking at. Uh, what was going on in the NHS, and then until and then until you need it uh, in the way that we did, and mm. so I think we've got to make sure that we don't forget. And the way that you don't forget is to make sure that you carry through the conversations, uh, and you don't get tired of it. The problem with say, uh, you know, campaigns for elections is when you get people like, like when you mobilise the young uh, people around kind of getting a new leader elected to then get them to carry through through to a general election is really tricky. It's why mm. Corbyn you know, struggled, he, he had that like um, kind of uplift and he had this grassroots movements, but it didn't kind of carry through. And so it's about making sure that that energy that we've got now carries through to the, to the kind of beyond whatever we go to. But then as well as that, you need to drive systemic change. We've talked about systemic change. It's not just about having a conversation. Conversations kind of swirl up and, and there's a lot of uh, momentum around a particular time but unless you're driving systemic change it will just go away again because mm. you know you'll go somewhere else and then the other force that kind of we've got to compete with is you've got a lot of businesses who are getting ready because they've been struggling like retailers and kind of brands and manufacturers and restaurants and all that sort of stuff you know understandably they're getting ready for as soon as we can start to ease off lockdown they're going to be driving people to be spending and they're going to be driving people towards you know, going to that place of, hey, it used to be much better. Let's go back to that place. And so people will, we've talked about, will probably want to rush towards feeling a sense of, ah, uh, you know, back, back to how it used to be. And so um, if we're not careful, people will forget. And so we really can't let people forget. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's really important. And it highlights the need for those difficult conversations. That's what, I, you know, I'm really big on that. You know, I don't like the term, if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't say it. And we've got to be really careful, actually, in the way that we talk about things like kindness, for example, that we don't make kindness the avoidance of having any of those tricky um, disagreements in, in, in the way that we see things. Because I think that's really, that's really, really important. And you've seen that kind of playing out a little bit where people are saying, you know, if you haven't got anything nice to say about it, then don't say anything or... You know, the government are doing their best, so just leave them. I think we should leave them to it and let them do their best, right? And that's kind of dangerous territory, actually, when you get into the idea that you should, you know, the one people that you should absolutely be holding to account is the people who are serving us. Because I think people really forget that the government work for us, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. People forget that. We elect them to work for us to do our will, yeah, as a, you know, as a democratic society. So, you know, I, like I do hope, like you say, that we do, we can learn from this and start to have those more tricky conversations. And that is really about challenging yourself, yeah, and making sure, bring back sort of healthy debate. Because you look at like, you know, like things like Question Time. Do you ever watch Question Time? Yeah. It's on a bit late for me, right? So I have to watch it on catch up. But that ends up getting polarized yeah you end up just getting polarized and rather than trying to listen to each other it's all about trying to make each other right yeah and trying to like really like 
dig each other out. So I hope we can, I hope we can make headway in that. And you, do, I, like, I do think you're seeing that happen. People that wouldn't normally talk. I mean, politics is being talked about more than ever right now, right? So that uh, that's a positive thing, um, as exhausting as it can feel. Um, what uh, what do you think needs to change? Because you know, what do you need to think needs to change about politics? Because it's always been that way, right? There's always been warring factions. There's been two or three parties, uh, usually two, uh, and they they dance between handing power over to each other. But broadly, they sort of say the same thing and they keep the same stuff in place. And you know, so what needs to change? I don't want to make this a big debate about politics. I'm just like, let's what what's the one thing that needs to be different coming out of this to drive a more accountable kind of type of politics and government. Okay, so the, when you, as soon as you've added that to make it more accountable, it kind of gives a different strand to it. The one thing that I think we all, as people, let me concentrate on people just for a moment, what I think we need to do to bet, for, for a better, uh, for politics to be, be better in our country, we have to get back to listening. And I'm talking about myself here. Like this is, I'm not like saying we're, you know, you're all rubbish at listening. I know as somebody who we've talked about this can fall over to being a little bit too hard left and all that sometimes, you forget to listen. You forget to understand that we are all, we often we want the same things from opposing sides, but we, you know, we have different methodology and, and beliefs of how we get there. So as people, we have to get better at listening. The left have to listen more to the right and the right have to listen more to the left, right? And I do, I, I, I really believe that that needs to happen. And then from a gov into government, and look, you need hours to unpack this. So I just wanna be a little bit careful about what I'm saying. But I want, the one thing that Jeremy Corbyn gave, right? And to counter that and to, to, to give some more context, the one thing, the reason that I think uh, Donald Trump, for example, got elected when he did, is because they both, from different sides, I believe, and people will argue this, but they, they both, to me, come across as actually what they're saying they truly believe, right? So Donald Trump, I disagree with nearly everything he says, right? But I do think at least he's being who he, uh, he, he really is in that, in that moment, right? And there's complexities to that, but I'd like to see more of an approach where people can be more honest. You never see somebody from the left say about a policy from the right, like, actually, no, I agree with that one. You've nailed that one. I think you get, I wouldn't change much about what you're doing with that. But then that opens the conversation about accountability, where you do need to make sure that you're always questioning what they're doing. Have I made sense or I rambled there? You didn't ramble. Um, I think <clears throat> the one thing we don't know is you're making an assumption. I think it's not the first time you made it on this podcast that d what you see with Donald Trump is what you get. I actually think he's probably, you know, I probably don't. I think he's not as smart as uh, as as we as as, as um, he thinks he is, and he probably does feel it. But there is uh, there is a lot of kind of strategy to his uh, to his menace. I would say so, um, with them both what I think is their downfall, so just to play out the other side, is that they're inflexible. So yeah. they might believe what they believe, but their, their lack of flexibility makes them, um, you know, somebody that you can't really connect to on the long term. Now, the reason, the thing that people are connecting with Trump is he's playing on fears and, and stoking fears and, you know. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I think the bloke's absolutely full of, I know, I know, full of not, shit, yeah, right? I, but, yeah. but, but I think he believes that m most of the time, right? I, I, it, it, but, but I get I get what you're saying, but if you're going to stay true to what you believe, then I guess in a way you'll become too rigid, right? No, no, I disagree. I disagree. I think you can believe what you believe. I believe what I believe, but I'm also willing to concede uh, to a stronger argument. And actually, it's the difference between mm. a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. A growth mindset means you're willing to be shifted. You're willing to take counsel. You're willing to... Yeah. Um, to understand a different person's perspective and then make a call. Jeremy Corbyn, in my personal opinion, has a very fixed mindset about certain things. Now, some people can argue that that's 
ideology and ideology is so strong in his in his makeup that that he's unshakable and i understand and i understand that perspective i think when you come to a place where you want to lead a country you have to understand that not everyone shares your ideologies mm. and not and you are governing across a whole nation not just the people that support you so you have to take a more flexible approach it's it's in, it's incumbent upon you if you want to lead the country to be mm. able to be flexible and, and so you're going to get a lot of people. grief yeah you're just yeah. going to get a lot of grief from people who think you should be hard left right and that that is a difficult place to be but you, yeah, and he you, got some stick when he manoeuvred a little bit, right? When he, on his uh, plan on one of his manifestos, he said that we'll put it out to the public and if they still want to leave, then we'll set about a plan to leave. And everyone was like, well, you said that you would remain you and all that stuff. So there's something to be said for people as well, because I'm just, you know, you talked about Liverpool a couple of episodes back when you said that they changed their stance on something. And a lot of people give them stick for that. And that's something as people, we're not very good at. We want politicians to listen to us but then when they change their stance we're like wow well you've changed your stance right and it's like well yeah but we want them to do that we want them to change their stance based on what we said then you start getting into the murky area of people being a little bit slippery and then just setting things up and saying what they you know what they think people want to hear and all that stuff so no i agree with what you're saying um and like i say i think it's a it's a massive such a deep and complex one that's littered in so many different complexities and i don't even remember did we get on this from liz's question uh i don't know we just sort of you we got just on kind your political, of naturally you got on evolved. Your political but, I, but i think i think i think um we did this particular bit justice which is just um what needs to change is is i think a willingness to listen is what you said and i think that's basically come back to we're that. just we're just basically um stretching that out a little bit it's a willingness to listen and the willingness to listen is the willingness to kind of concede and do things differently. But And also it takes a certain part of it because what? Let, let me just unpack a little bit of what I was feeling when you were talking, right? There's a bit of me when you were saying what you were saying where I'm like, oh, he's making you wrong on a couple of things. And my natural reaction is to be like, well, hang on a minute, da -da -da, and defend what I'm saying. But my inner workings of my mind have to go, don't get defensive, listen. And then I listen and I'm like, yeah, I agree with everything that he's saying, right? So do I then make myself wrong on what I was saying? Actually, no, let's just challenge and be in the moment and think about what we're saying, right? And have that proper dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And, and, it, and it's a, actually, that's a skill that's, you know, not always easy to master. It's very let, easy. Let me, let me ask you something. Are you, were you, was that inner, inner dialogue going only because we're recording our conversation? And we're going to yeah. put it out as a podcast, or is it because, no, as in, because and therefore how you want how you want to be perceived or not, or is it just that's how you always always are with me? No, if it was me and you, it, that 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 wouldn't gone on in my head, but that's because it's a public conversation, and I know people are going to be listening. Yeah, so there's another layer to that as well, right? Interesting. It, I mean, but I, I mean, I don't. I look at us as just finding the right. Like we said before, we you we we sort of enter a conversation with a perspective. And then there'll be another one. And then we sort of find the right uh, kind of medium yeah. in the middle. We just hit topics with a curiosity. That's what I, you know, that's what I really, really like. We're curious, right? We, we just dive into stuff, try and unpack it and, and, and see where it goes. So I think that's, you know, I, I think that leads us nicely on to, you know, something that we've discussed about this. And I like the idea of the questions coming in and engaging with our audience. And we've discussed the idea of having people come on, right? Uh, come on the show with us, right? And talk. And you mentioned about how we'd like to have people come on as co-hosts rather than uh, as guests. So tell me exactly what you mean by that as well. Yeah, so I think just to continue the vein of a conversation versus an interview, right? So um, the idea being that you and I have topical conversations so that anyone that comes in, instead of us, interviewing them and trying to you know find out specifically like what they do in the world what they you know what they're up to it's about them joining our conversation at the level at which we have it and just join us and kind of bring in their perspective so it's a different kind of uh, approach to uh, kind of the interview format so um that's that's kind of an exciting development that i think we'll you know when we can bring that in it'll be it'll be it'll be good 
for the show. Yeah, it'll be good because it will bring another layer of context to every conversation that we have, right? Which is what we want. We want it to be, and I like that idea, not just getting someone on and being like, tell us all about you. Let's make the focus about them. We'll do a quick intro at the beginning and then we'll ask them what they think about racial bias or whatever, whatever it is that we... That's our topic of the day, isn't whatever it? Whatever our topic is that we've managed to dive into. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of time. So I want to uh, ask you, are you doing anything Friday for VE Day? I didn't even know it was VE Day. I just thought it was a bank holiday. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you, it's 75 years, right? Uh, that's why it's the celebration 75 years since uh, World War Two with what happened in Europe and uh, the invasions with Nazi Germany and all that sort of began. I know what happened in World War II. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for the history lesson. Uh, I Googled it before we started the thingy because I didn't really know what it was. Uh, (laughs) But it was, it leads, so there's a lot of Great Britain flags about, yeah, Mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll ask you something and we've got Mm -hmm. time to do this. We've got 15, 20 minutes, haven't we, if we need it, right? Okay, yeah. Big question. When you see the Great Britain flag, yeah, what does it mean to you? What do you think of? What does it conjure up in you? Um, I feel connected to it. You feel connected to it? Yeah, but yeah. It, it's all context, right? Yeah. Okay. So, what, yeah. So if I uh, if I watch the Olympics and uh, one of the athletes, one of the rowers, wins and has it draped on their shoulders, I feel connected. Mm-hmm. If I see it in celebratory mode, I feel connected. Um, if I see it on a march by EDL, I feel disconnected to it. Mm-hmm. Right? If I see it in a particular uh, context, I will be disconnected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, I mean, it really does matter on the context of which I see it. Yeah, because I think probably more than the, the Great Burn Flag, which, by the way, I think the Great Britain flag has had a bit of a demise in recent times. Mm. I don't think you see it used in any way that we used to. Would you agree with that? If you go back to, like, say, the early 90s, when England football fans, for example, went abroad, they would take the Great Britain flag and it was all about Great Britain. Whereas now I think the St. George's flag is used yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Do you have... What do you feel when do, do you have a difference of feeling when you see the St. George flag? I do. Yeah, I do. I feel like um, f- for me, I OK, let me just go back a minute. Uh, you know, my my parents were immigrants into the country. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was born in England, but I feel British not English. And that's mainly because my, my lineage doesn't, doesn't, you know, extend mm. into this country. My parents came into this country in the uh, late 60s for my dad and early 70s for my mum, right? So, but I feel British because I was born here, I have a British passport, my, you know, my roots are here, um, but I don't feel English, okay? So that's kind of the context for me. The irony is that, you know, when it comes to like sport, I support, <laughs> I support the country I was born in and live in, right? But when I see the flag, unfortunately, the way that I've seen the, the, the flag abused by certain factions, it just conjures a, a, an, an uncomfortable feeling of nationalism mm. and not a good nationalism. Like I think there's good nationalism and bad nationalism, right? Good yeah, nationalism is, is pride and, you know, and I can respect that for people that really, you know, that feel that bad nationalism is using uh is using nationalism to divide uh to create fear to stoke hate and be violent and unfortunately a lot of the uh significance of the flag connects me to that bad place because yeah. of what's happened yeah. and that, so when i drive around sometimes and i've and i see a massive flagpole with st george's i, I immediately make assumptions about who lives in that house yeah and i don't think that's maybe fair but it's just such a bold statement, you know, and and, and that's where it, where it takes me. And that's just my honest answer. Mm, mm. I mean, there's quite a clock, like, so the reason I ask is because like down the street and stuff, we like, they've all started putting out uh, Great Britain flags because of what it is on Friday. And I obviously, I have the St. George flag tattooed on my arm, right? And um, 
when I had it tattooed on my arm, I had it tattooed on my arm from the context of what you've just spoken about, right? Which makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, and I just, you know, something that I was, I've been thinking about when I saw the Great Britain flag, when, particularly this, the St. George flag, okay? I think it's been overly hijacked by the far right, yeah? And if my country did something that make me be proud, like it does at the moment, the NHS, for example, yeah? Uh, should make me proud to be part of that, I wouldn't want to hang a St. George flag out of my window because I would feel like it would make me look, make you feel like you feel when you drive past one and see it out of the window, right? So I just sort of, it got me thinking and it started to, you know, I when I saw the scent, so my street's doing a social distance uh, on your front garden party, street party on Friday, because it's a bank holiday, it's going to be lovely weather, someone's gone through and put letters all through the door to do it and the whole street's going to do it and uh, it was just the guy opposite me he was like i've got a bulldog as well and uh, he was like we should get a union jack and put it on that i want a picture taken with it and i my initial reaction was to feel a bit defensive and i was like i wanted to be a little bit like no that's not what it's about i'm not one of them people and i just started wondered wondered if you know maybe this is an opportunity for us to take back the flags Particularly the Union Jack. I don't know if I've got it in me to take back the St. George. Genuinely, mm. I think it's been hijacked that badly. Mm. But the Union Jack, I just wonder if... Uh, I mean, there's the idea of globalisation, which is another layer of it. We're one world. Do we really need our uh, patriotism for our countries? There's a conversation that probably haven't got time to have today. In simple terms, I would say, no, I think it's good to have your own culture and to be proud of your own culture. It's just making sure that we can do that in a way that's not um, minimum, at least not abrasive even, which it can sometimes feel like, particularly when we as English people do it. So to get to what I'm trying to say, I just wonder if, you know, now is a really good opportunity to bring that Great Britain flag back as something to feel really, really proud of and, and what we've achieved as people. I don't know if there's something in that, but I just... it's something So, so the thing to well. think about is I think... Uh, the flag is is an embodiment of what might be considered Britishness, right? So rather than claim back the flag, which just, you know, for, for me, I think it's about celebrating what makes us British. And that is more than just a flag, right? And the flag is a single embodiment of it, and it's an important mm. one. But the Union Jack, it's funny, actually, because I really do go to very different places with uh, it, you know, um, there was definitely a while where the the Union Jack represented what probably the St George's, you know, yeah. represents now. Like, but I also go to a place of, you know, Jer Jerry Halliwell wearing it as a dress for Spice Girls and like, Oasis. Do, and, yeah. Yeah. I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, but you know, so and the Olympics. You know, twenty twelve was when my son was born, and I just remember actually it was during the Paralympics and the pride that I felt. You know, or, yeah. you know, for all of our athletes from all the you know all of the nations within it. So I, I think I think it's important to celebrate what makes us brilliant. And I don't want to sound too like twee or too like you know op overly optimistic, but I think there's a lot to that binds us and a flag is just a part of uh, an expression of that. So an expression I, I, of that, I think, yeah. I think it'd be lovely to see that on Friday if people have got their flags out. And you know what? You should just listen to your intuition. If you are if if you want to have a fun photo with uh, the Jack, uh, New Union Jack uh, around your dog, then that's cool. Like, we can't be afraid to do all that stuff. So no. I think it'll be nice for, to see people celebrating on, on, on Friday because it means a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, which brings us nicely on to the reasons to be cheerful. And mine is, I'm going to chuck mine out first before you. I'm going to go straight in and do it because mine is the street party in the street, right? Um, I've always been, I'm quite an insular person. I say hello to everyone. I'm very approachable, but I'm... Except I, on the football pit, uh, except on the football field, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except on the football. I'm not very approachable. Actually, my wife tells me all the time, right, that I'm not approachable, right? And that I come across with this awe that I'm not approachable. I feel very approachable and I'm a really nice guy, right? But uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sort of made friends with, I've been here five years and I've not really sort of interacted with much of the street apart from the, the guy over the road. So um, I'm looking forward to that. It, I think, you know, it will be a nice reflection of some of the positive things to come out of this that, that's brought the street together. You know, we go out 
and clap on the Thursday as well. So, you know, you're, you're banging a tin pan with someone you've never banged a tin pan with before. And it's brought back a little bit of that community mm. spirit. Mm. So that is my reason to be cheerful. And I, and I do genuinely feel and believe that is something that will be la that will last. It won't be a flash in the pan. Yeah, I agree. I think that's uh, I think that's true. I think you've definitely saw more seen more connectivity. Like on my street's the same. Like there's a lot of, you know, hey, how you doing? Chit chat, but there just feels a bit more togetherness. So mm. no, I like that. Um, my reason to be cheerful this week is uh, the innocence of youth, right? So um, my as I said earlier, my, my daughter turned six uh, uh, on Monday. And we were having a little joke with her to say, oh, look, you know, because of the lockdown, you know, we couldn't get any presents. And we we're just, you know, we we're just playing a little, having a yeah. bit of fun with her. Just emotionally her. manipulating yeah, the yeah, children. Yeah, exactly. You know, as, yeah. You do, as you do. I mean, you get bored during lockdown, so you've got to get your kicks <laughs> somehow. Um, but um, so we said, oh, we've got one present for you. Like, you know, but, you know, and she, and, and she was like, um, she was just, just brilliant with it. You know, she was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. And, and did, did you get wrapping paper? Um, no, we couldn't get wrapping paper, just, you know, like, and she was like, yeah, that's okay. And then obviously, you know, uh, it probably sounds really cruel now, but it was just fun. It was a bit of fun, <laughs> but you know, but I guess the thing I loved was how she was just like, yeah, no, that's fine. That's great. You know, and really understanding and just gave me a lot of hope for the, you know, the future. And then obviously the surprise she had when she sort of rolled, rolled up to the, to the room downstairs and saw her presence was, was amazing. But I think even coming into the day, she just really uh, just took what was in her stride, you know, and I just I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, they have a, an amazing capacity to to adjust, don't they, children? Mm. Incredible, especially when their parents are emotionally abusing them on the birthday. Uh, <laughs> the no, day before. Listen, yeah. her birthday was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a lovely way to end what's been uh, a really good episode. Anything to add before we sign off? Oh, by the way, come and join the community at 115 Miles Pod at 115 Miles Pod on Instagram, uh, where we follow The Rock. I just want to put that out and there. And Nike. And Nike. And if you've got any, you know, questions, then hit them with, hit us with them. It'd be interesting to do. But other than that, I'm ready to sign out, Hass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> See you guys. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kyle.